Grace Chapel podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. Before we get started, we want to remind you of the importance of being connected into a local church body. Podcasts are a gift from God, but are meant to be supplemental and not substitute or replace the gathering of the saints in worship in the Word. With that being said, we pray that this teaching would bless you, equip you, and encourage you in your walk with Christ. All right, well, um, in the midst of all kinds of, you know, the end of the year sort of things, we've been on this journey all year long going through um, a book called A Discipleship Journey by Dave Buring, our good friend. And we've just been growing together as a church family. And I realize different people have jumped into this along the way. Some of you, maybe in the summer, you joined us. Some of you might just been around for even a couple of weeks. Um, But wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord and whatever your participation level has been this year, while my message this morning is meant to kind of wrap this up and encourage us as we move into the new year, Guys, this applies to every single one of us. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. If if you have given your life to Christ, that's his call on your life. And so we're just gonna talk about three basic principles that we can apply as disciples of Jesus. And specifically this morning, I wanna encourage you to think two ways. Not only to think about how you walk as a follower of Christ, but realizing that a disciple of Jesus is someone who is investing in the lives of others. And so these three principles we're gonna talk about this morning, they not only guide us in how we walk with him, but they guide us in how we touch other lives around us. And so be thinking throughout this morning, Lord, who are those people that you're calling me to invest in their life? And and I guarantee you, if you give time, if you seek him out on that, he'll answer you. He might make it really clear, like a key focus in your life this year might be investing in your children in really intentional ways. Might be some coworkers at your job. Could be family. I I don't know. He'll he'll direct that. But ask him to, to make it clear to you, Lord, how can I walk as a disciple maker in this current season of my life? And so let's pray. I want to invite him not only to help us as we walk through this together this morning, um, but to to help each of us figure out, Lord, what does this look like in my life in a real practical way in this season? So Jesus, we come before you. God, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, as we're celebrating in this season, just the fact that you came here for us to rescue and redeem us. God, we're in awe of you. We worship you and Lord, the way you wanted us to carry forward the message of who you are and what you came to do for people, your plan is that we would pass this on one life at a time. That we would carry forward the very way you lived your life. God, the way you discipled those that were in your life, in your care, and you've encouraged us to go and do likewise. And so, Jesus, would you not only teach us some practical things we can live by this morning, but more than that, God, would you fill us with your presence? Would you bring divine revelation into our lives personally, who you're calling us to and how we can walk this out? And Jesus, thank you for your promise that you gave to the disciples. When you told them to go and make disciples, your promise is that you would be with them always, even to the end of the age. Thank you that we are not alone. 
that you are with us and for us, and you're going to equip us with every good thing we need to be disciple makers. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come be our guide and our teacher this morning? Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about some of the challenges that we face in making disciples. Um, Because it's based in relationship, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be relationships that disappoint us, that let us down. Not only are we going to be let down, but but others will let us down. So we talked about the challenges. And now we're just going to talk this morning about how to put this into practice. How do I put into practice investing in other people's lives? And so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to live it. Like I have to model what I might be passing on, what I might be communicating. And so the basis um, of our sermon this morning is primarily John chapter 13. We're also gonna look over in Luke 22 along the way. Um, And so if you wanna follow along, you can do that. But we're, we're gonna take a look at a story from Jesus like last night before his crucifixion. These are his final hours with his disciples, people he had been faithfully investing in for years. And what is he doing with them? How does he approach this? There's a lot of ways to look at this. I mean, we can just step back and be in awe of just our savior, like his heart for those he loves, the way he's serving them right up to the very last. Absolutely. But I wanna encourage you this morning to kind of put on the grid of seeing Jesus as a disciple maker. And what can I learn from him about investing in other people's lives? And so the first thing we see, man, is he, he modeled this stuff for them. Before he taught them any specific words, he modeled it. And so, again, we're going to pick up here in John 13. We're just going to start in verse 1. It kind of sets the tone of this. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Jesus understands every challenging thing he is about to face personally. He knows what is before him. He knows exactly what he's stepping into. And yet notice what is his primary point of emphasis. Everything I've already been doing with the disciples, I'm gonna continue that in this moment. Jesus is about to teach them an important lesson, but it's something he'd already been consistently living Discipleship isn't just about, can I create like a really unique moment that's gonna have a big impact? It's like, no, his life taught the message. He consistently loved and served the disciples. And so then in this moment, as he's being intentional at this place in this time, it is just a continuation of the way he had been living. He had chosen to invest in these people's lives. And so the story then unfolds Um, Now skipping down to verse three. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. Now what he's about to do is he's rising from supper. He's about to wash the disciples' feet. Spoiler alert. But I love the context that we're given here. He understood some things First, about who God was and about himself. Like he understood his place and his position. And because he was secure in who he was in his walk with the Father, he was able to serve out of that place. 
Listen, as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, I'm, I'm in relationship with this God who loves me. And, and he wants to help anchor me to see myself and my place in this world accurately, accurately. See, Jesus served from a place of security. He knew who his father was, and therefore he knew who he was. Friends, I'll just tell you right now, if we're gonna invest in the lives of other people, like the two biggest inhibitors are our pride and our insecurity. Often like two sides of the same coin, right? I'm trying to overcome my insecurity by boosting up my pride. Those are huge obstacles to investing in people. And so God wants to deal with that. And so we live out of this reality first. I put myself in a place of being a disciple of Jesus. I learn from him. I learn who he is. I discover who I am. Discipleship isn't just like, I learned a couple of cool tricks once about how to like talk to people or lead a group or do whatever. Listen, I'm all for being resourced with tools and growing in, in, in different abilities. Like that's great. But this is a way of life first and foremost. And so Jesus lived this. See, he found out of proper relationship with the father, it enabled him then to live this out in front of the disciples. He could, he could serve them well. He could teach them how to follow God because he was following God. Now we get to like the actual moment, the story. And so what does he do? Second half of verse four. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Listen, what he's modeling is what discipleship looks like. Number one, he was able to put himself in a place of humility. See, this isn't about mustering up a false sense of humility. Humility is not viewing yourself low. It's having a proper view of yourself. When I understand he's God and I'm not, if we'll let that truth sink in, it's really freeing. And so he humbles himself. Discipleship is humbling. If, if I'm setting out to be a disciple maker, to boost up my sense of self-worth, to gain some, now I'm really doing something for the Lord. I'm really accomplishing something. Or I've even got people following my plan, my path. You know, they're, they're disciples of Jake Spencer. That's gross. We don't need disciples of Jake Spencer. We need disciples of Jesus Christ. I, discipleship is humility. And so Jesus is able to humble himself. Also practically, like he's touching their feet. Gross. Yeah. Ugh. That's the exact appropriate response. Ugh. Gross. And these aren't like, I mean, it would be gross anyways, but these aren't free feet like freshly out of like the shower and, you know, the nails are trimmed all nice and pretty. Like these, these are, these are 2000 years ago, walking around in sandals, dirt, like, yuck. But he's willing to get his hands dirty. 
He's willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to see the most vulnerable parts of these people. And so it's this humble posture. He's willing to get his hands dirty. See, when you, when you hear me open this by saying, hey, point number one is we model discipleship. Don't think primarily that that means, well, I've got I've to like create little scenarios that'll be really impactful. How do I recreate a foot washing thing? Listen, I've been a part of foot washing services. They're powerful. That's great. But this isn't about like, how do I get super creative and like design these little moments that are meaningful? It's just getting down in the dirt with people. It's just real life stuff. Jesus knew who these guys were. He had walked with them. He literally knew where their feet had been because they lived life together. And so Jesus was walking in a real relationship with the father that anchored him. And then he poured out his life loving these guys all along the way. And so we have these meaningful, powerful moments that they remembered and wrote about later. Hey, check this out. This was significant. This impacted my life. But we can't script these things. We can't script the moments that are gonna be the powerful moments that resonate. I've tried, like as someone's been in ministry for years, like we'll pray and think and like, let's create like this, this cool service we're gonna do. Or, hey, I'm gonna take some kids to Ecuador on a mission trip. Let's watch what God does. Like you, you just faithfully show up and God's gonna move when he moves. But see, and even in all the in-between the moments that aren't the mountaintop or the big aha, God is working. He's doing stuff moment by moment, step by step, day by day. So if we're gonna choose to invest in the lives of other people, it just starts by realizing this is a way of life. When you hear me say model discipleship, what I really mean is it's a way of life. I'm embracing this as my normal mode of being. My normal mode of being is walking in a relationship with God and realizing he wants me to invest in other people. And so Lord, what does that look like on just that random Tuesday? Jesus, walking with you and investing in the lives that are in front of me. Because see, some people, we're gonna be investing in their life for the long haul. I mean, family is a great example of this or friendships that last a really long time. And so it's consistent, it builds over time. Other relationships, they might be a shorter period, like I live somewhere new or somebody comes into my life and we have a couple years together and they move on or I move on. Or, or it could even be just as random as like encounters that happen. Discipleship is just about stewarding the relationships that are in our life. And so we embrace it as a way of life. I was prayerful about like, what's a practical example of this? And, and there's many that I could share and I don't wanna embarrass them, but just the thing the Lord impressed upon my heart this week in preparation was my parents. Like my, my parents discipled me. And I don't just mean like they loved me and I grew up in a good home. I mean like early memories of my life is that my dad was always up before me and I would find him with a Bible and a cup of coffee. And before I knew anything else, I knew that that was important to him. Like the scripture was important in my household. I grew up with the memory of my mom praying all the time. I have very distinct memories of her vacuuming and praying. Just the vacuum's loud, but mom is louder. <laughs> She's pouring her heart out to God, probably praying for me. Lord, that knucklehead kid, when is he gonna figure it out? I just have distinct memories of that. So prayer and scripture were just 
they were a part of our home. I didn't have perfect parents. They'll be the first to tell you that. But like, it was just a part of our home. Spending time in the Lord's presence, spending time in the word was important. That stood out to me. They opened their home. My parents were always had their home open in some form or fashion. Leading Bible studies, having people over for meals. Like most of my childhood, we had a pretty small, modest house. And man, that thing would be packed out. What's the most people we ever had? Like, for, wasn't it like 50 or 60 people in that? 80. Just, do you remember the square footage of the house? 1,500 square foot house. That's what I grew up in. Four, me and three other siblings. Six of us, 80 people in the house. They just, they opened. And so now I look back now and I see little things that me and Amy just sort of do without thinking about it. I'm like, oh, well, this is, I just got this from my parents. And I just sort of picked it up. Like I didn't, I didn't set out with a notebook of like, let me watch my parents and analyze how they're living their life and how they grow with Jesus. It just, I just was in that environment and I picked it up. One of the things that encourages me about this church body is I feel like I get this front row seat to watch this stuff happen. Like I, I watch all these different members of our body just like opening their lives to people, welcoming them in. It's so encouraging to see happen. We just, we live it. And then many of you know, like my parents, like all their kids are grown and graduated and gone. And what do they do? The Lord calls them to move to the Dominican Republic. They don't know Spanish. They commit to going to language school. They pick up their lives and move to the Dominican Republic. Why? To help create a home for boys who didn't have a home. And so what does that, what does that do for me? Years later, when I feel like God's calling me to do something crazy, like leave my built-in, you know, 16, 17, 18 years of community in Williamson County, a church I'd been in forever, a clear path forward in my life, and I'm feeling like God's calling us to do something else. We feel called to a new place. And you see, it's like, well, my parents moved to the DR and learned a new language. I think I can move to another part of the same state. <laughs> Seems crazy and risky, but like, man, I can do that if Jesus is calling me to it. And again, it wasn't like I tried to go, let me go duplicate what my parents did. No, it's just like living my life, following Jesus. And he starts to go, hey, there. Am I willing to obey that? It's a way of life. Walking with him and choosing to invest in other people. So model it, live it first and foremost. Before you do anything else, live it. Embrace that this is a way of life. And so God, what does this then look like? How do I do this? Number two, encourage obedience. Encourage obedience. So much of discipleship in America is wrapped up in all the stuff we need to learn, all the information we need to take in. Now listen, we do have a lot to learn. Being educated in the scripture is vitally important. But like, I'd rather that we know one thing that Jesus taught that we're doing than know 10 things that we never do. John 13, 12 through 17. He finishes the process of washing their feet. He says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Do you understand? Is it taken hold? Verse 13, 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed. Is that what it says? If you know these things, you're blessed. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. See, here's here's the reality. Because Jesus lived it, he could then encourage them to do the same. This isn't about perfection. It's just about a lifestyle of obedience. If I'm gonna walk with God, and let him be Lord, if I'm gonna obey what he's saying, if that's the aim of my life, listen, there's gonna be times where I resist him, I don't obey, or it takes me a while to get into gear and obey, like I'm dragging my feet. But if the aim of my life is I'm learning to walk in obedience to Christ, then when we're making disciples or investing in other people, we need to be encouraging obedience. Know Jesus and follow what he's saying. Obedience is vital for a lot of reasons, but I wanna give you three just right here from this passage. First of all, obedience is vital to understanding. He's saying, did you get what I just did for you? You go do it. Like understanding comes when we put it into practice ourselves. There's another layer. Like, man, this has been happening in my life dramatically the last three or four months because we're remodeling our kitchen. And I've realized along the way that I've had to do a lot more than I originally intended in this remodel project. And there's a lot of things I don't know. I'm not a handyman. Anybody that's close friends with me, you can throw in an amen there because you know it to be true. Thank you, Alex. Um, I'm not a handyman. I'm not naturally good at this stuff. And so um, there's been a lot of like looking up stuff on YouTube or calling a buddy like, hey, can you kind of help me figure this out or tell me what I do here? But it's not just in the watching the video or getting the instructions. It's like getting in there and doing it. It's like, oh, I get this now. I'm seeing how this fits together. Oh, I realize why it's so challenging. Oh, I know why they charge so much for this now. Because <laughs> I don't have the right tools or experience, and this is hard. Uh, and I've broken it again. I'm back to Lowe's for the third time today. Lots of that. But like understanding comes in the doing. See, it, somehow I feel like we've associated obedience with this like legalistic thing and it's about always getting it right all the time. Obedience is just saying yes and putting one foot in front of the other. Just, just doing, doing. And often doing it wrong or halfway or, but just in the process of the doing comes understanding. We gain understanding. Not only that, obedience is vital to transformation. Listen, he's saying, like, no servant is greater than the master. Like, do what I'm doing. He's, he's inviting us to become more and more like him. Now, in our own unique way, like, he wants me to be who he's created me to be, but him in me. Christ in me is the hope of glory. And so little by little, step by step, I'm becoming more and more like him. In obedience, it's the pathway to transformation. I can't change myself on my own, but led by him in cooperation with him, 
And guess what? In the doing, I start to realize how much I can't do this on my own. So even in obedience, I'm learning to rely upon him. God, I can't do this by myself. You want me to invest in my kids? I don't know how to do that. Hey, that's great. Jake's up there going, hey, invest in your kids. Well, he just told us his parents invested in him. My parents didn't invest in me. That wasn't modeled for me. I didn't absorb that naturally. So what do I do? If we commit to doing this, he'll give us what we need. We learn to rely upon him for the very thing we're feeling called to do. Is this making sense? So obedience is vital for transformation. And then look, I already emphasized it a minute ago when we were reading it, but it's obedience that brings the blessing. The blessing's not in the knowing, it's in the doing. In fact, I think one of the reasons why there's a lot of Christians in America that are miserable, they don't know why they're miserable, is because they know all kinds of stuff. But the blessing isn't in the knowing, it's in the doing. If I would just begin to apply the things God is pouring into me, the things I'm learning, there's blessing in that. I'd encourage you, if you wanna dig on just that particular thing a little bit more, go read Deuteronomy chapter six, where Moses is investing in the next generation that's gonna be moving into the promised land. He says, listen, here's how you do this. Just live this stuff out in real practical ways and there will be a blessing on your life if you do it, if you do it. To summarize this point, encouraging obedience, here's here's the issue. Here's what this is really about. It's about teaching lordship. Teaching lordship is essential to being a disciple. He's Lord, he's king, he's in charge. We need more of that. We need more of that. I don't, I don't know, I'm gonna get off on a whole other topic. Stuff we'll probably tackle in the new year. But like, there, there's a real lack of putting God in his proper place in the church and then therefore it's poorly reflected to our culture. And actually a lot of how we view spirituality is putting myself in place of God. Is he measuring up to my standards, my expectations, my desires? And then even when we get the very desires that we want, we're dissatisfied. Why? Because I'm a really bad guide because I wasn't made to be king and I wasn't made to be Lord. And even if he gives me places of kingship or lordship, areas of influence, what is he? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And so even if I am in a place of influence or authority, I'm, I only have the slightest chance of getting that right if he's the Lord of me, if he's the king of me. Lordship is essential to discipleship. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of suggestions where I pick and choose what I want and just sort of apply it in the way that feels good to me and sort of cobble my own little spiritual journey together. He's Lord. Obedience is essential, and so we need to encourage obedience when we're making disciples. Number three, I love this. Um, It kind of blows my mind, honestly. I don't really know what to call point number three. I changed the name of it like three times probably, so this still probably isn't the right thing. I'm calling it timely teaching. But in the way that we're called to, to live this and just be in the moment, like it's, it's using the opportunity in front of you to teach in that moment. And here's what I find unbelievable about this. Okay, so think about this. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows about, he's about to be betrayed to his death. He knows all he's about to go through. 
He's just taken this moment to wash their feet and make sure that they've gotten a hold of this three and a half year message he's been living and teaching about them being servants. He's modeled it as clearly as he can. And after he has washed their feet, Luke gives us insight into what happens. If, I, I encourage you to compare these side by side. The sequence John gives us in John 13 and then the sequence Luke gives us in Luke 22. What we're about to read next comes after he washes their feet. I want you to see this. Luke 22, verses 21 through 24. Jesus has just told them all, one of you is gonna betray me, okay? So they've just heard from the guy who washed their feet, one of them is about to betray him and watch what they do with that information. Luke 22, verses 21 through 24. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the son of man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of them it could be who was going to do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. <laughs> one of you is gonna betray me to my death and that, that sucker swings around to which one of us is the greatest disciple like that. <laughs> I mean, that's just classic, right? I mean, none of us ever do anything like that. Just self-absorbed, man. Like how out of it can you be? Like how devastating that Jesus is saying one of my closest friends is gonna betray me. And then we talk about that for a minute and probably what happens, right? You can like see the scene, like, is it you? It's not gonna be me. Man, here's how I know it's not gonna be because I'm, I'm like the best one here of the bunch. And so they literally, he's just washed their feet. And now they're having an argument about who's the greatest. Guys, Timely teaching is usually gonna happen in the most challenging moments. There, there's certainly beautiful, wonderful moments that just make you go, whoa, look at God doing that. But a lot of life is the grind, it's the struggle. It's our failures or the failures of others. And so what does Jesus do in this incredibly challenging moment where he's gotta be looking at these guys going like, have they learned anything from me? Like in letting you into my insecurities for a minute, if I was in Jesus' shoes right there, I would be like, I'm a failure of a disciple maker. I've been with these guys for three and a half years. I just, I just pulled out the big guns. I just washed their feet and they're not getting it. But Jesus didn't make it about himself, even though they were making it about themselves. And he saw this moment uh, that was honestly a slap in his face he saw this ugly moment of their failure and he just went, this is a timely opportunity to keep teaching. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to them about what I just modeled. And so what did he say to them? Verses 25 through 27. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. 
How did Jesus handle this moment? The way he always did. It was a teaching opportunity and he taught them the truth. What you guys are doing right now, that's the way of out there. You want that? Have at it. But we're not gonna be like that. He taught truth. He not only taught truth, like this is something he'd said over and over again, right? He'd modeled it, he'd lived it. Even these words show up in the gospels in a different context. He had been saying this sort of thing. He lived humbly among them as a servant. He taught them about being servants. But in this moment, he teaches right there in the context of what's happening there. This is the power of discipleship in community. It's not just what are some universal biblical truths that we can all apply. What does that biblical truth look like in this specific moment that's going on right here? It gets real. It's directly applicable to this moment in life. We can do that when we're in real community with people. We can speak truth to the moment. We can hear truth we need to hear in the moment. And so that's what he does. He used it not as a moment necessarily to scold them. I mean, he corrects the error, but it's, it's a teachable moment. He didn't stand up and like shame them, rub their face in it, talk about how hurt he was by what they had just done or even thinking about me. He just taught them. He pointed the truth once again. And so he taught the truth, he taught it in community and he taught it in context. Because he's living with them, then the specific moment they're in, he can just teach right there in that moment to the, to the context of the situation. Friends, like I realize we're looking at Jesus and anytime you use Jesus as an example, it's easy to go, well, I mean, he's God. I can't do this. Like we can, we can do this stuff. We can model it. We can encourage obedience. We can just be present in everyday life and, and just speak truth in the moment. Like I can position myself to live that way in context of community with other people. God, I want this to be real with me. And I just wanna live an open real life in front of others. And so Lord, what would it look like if I just really committed myself to living this out, to embracing discipleship as a way of life if I practiced obedience and encouraged other people that I'm investing in to practice obedience? And then what if just moment by moment, we were learning to take the truth of Jesus Christ and apply it in the specific situation or season we are in? It's the beauty of discipleship in relationship. We can do this. So as we, as we kind of wrap this thing up, I just, I wanna encourage you guys a little bit in closing here. I really wanna encourage you to, to consider what I said at the beginning of the service. What would it look like for me to be committed to, to discipleship in my current season of life? I don't know what the best grid is for you. Like for you, if that's like, hey, let me just take a week at a time. What would it look like this next week? And then maybe I can apply that out going forward. Great. You know, maybe you wanna look at the first quarter of the year, the next year ahead, but just consider, Lord, what is my season of life right now? And like prayerfully bring that to him and go, Lord, in this season, what would it look like for me to be committed to discipleship? Maybe one of the things that's highlighted to you, whether it's through this message this morning or just some things we've been talking about recently, maybe you feel like, man, I, I need a lot more investment in my own life. Like I'm, I'm happy to start pouring into others, but I feel like there's a lot I, I still wanna grow in. I haven't really been 
discipled. I haven't had somebody to look to as a model. I haven't had somebody teach me how to hear God's voice and obey him. Like, I don't know how to apply his truth. Like, I read the Bible, I'm not sure how to apply it to my everyday life. Like, maybe the way you position yourself for discipleship in this season is you go, how can I absorb this from someone else? Lord, is, is there a person or several people in my life that I could seek out that would invest in me? What would it look like for me to grow as a disciple in this season? For others, it's going, hey, man, there's a lot that I have received and learned that's been poured into me, and maybe I need to be more intentional in some ways in my life. Then, Lord, would you highlight who and how? Who are you calling me to? How am I gonna do that? What does that look like? I wanna leave you with a couple of resources. Like, this is a no-pressure thing. I just wanna be able to point you in a direction Obviously, we can be in dialogue with each other. So I, I would love to sit down with as many people as who wanted. I'll meet you for coffee or lunch. And we can talk about this very question. Like, who is God calling me to disciple right now? How might I go about doing that? Or I need to be poured into, where do I go for that? But I just wanna point you to some resources. Um, do, we, do we have, did we ever get the stuff? Do we have um, the webs, our website up, a couple of links there? We didn't do that. That's okay. All right. Andrew, if you're able to quickly pull up our website and go to the discipleship journey page, you can do that. But if not, I will just talk and I will assume people can use their phones or laptops to figure this out. It's not complicated. So I just want to point you on a couple of directions. First of all, the discipleship journey book that we've been doing. If you're pretty new here, if you didn't get to do the whole year, like one possibility for you is just continue that. Like there's 12 chapters, 12 sections. We did a month at a time. Like it somewhat builds on itself, but they really do stand alone. So it's like, if you were around for lessons 10, 11, and 12, man, jump into chapter one and roll. And, and like, we're gonna leave the website up. We'll update it so it's, it's not date dependent. We're gonna update it after the first of the year. Um, but you can use it as a guide, as a place to start. For those of you who've completed it, like that is a potentially really good tool that you can use to invest in other people. Like walk through that stuff with your kids or a neighbor or whatever. So like that is one possible resource. Another resource is like just like the scripture alone, like just using the word of God. And so a couple of years ago as a church, like we walked through the whole Bible in a year and we've left up on our website. Did you, do we got that? Okay, top right. <laughs> Go down to, I'm already past the discipleship journey, but that's how you get to it. So we'll update this page. It'll guide you to like get a book, walk through it. There's sermons to supplement if you want that. Now go down to Bible reading plan. And this is similar. We have a Bible reading plan for you that you can follow. We taught through the Old and New Testament. You can hear those teachings. Go down a little further to where it says resources. Is it gonna let you scroll down? Bible Project overview videos. I don't know if y'all can see that where you are. Um, the Bible Project made these really cool like eight to 10 minute videos that recap each book of the Bible. It outlines it for you. It kind of anchors you in like what that book is about, how we got it, how does it fit into the larger story. Here's my point. Whether you use either of these resources or not, like you can get into the word of God to grow and walk with him. You can use specific discipleship materials, but the point is just to commit to this as a way of life. I'm purposing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I'm recognizing that, that he wants me to steward the relationships he's given me to invest in other people. 
And so friends, there are tools and resources that we're happy to equip you with. There's things way beyond just these couple things that are on the website. That's just supplemental stuff. The point is, let's commit our lives to being disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's invest in people with whatever knowledge we have. And as we're walking with him and as we're growing, we can in turn love and serve others. Amen? Can we do this? Yeah. And we are. In a lot of ways, we already are. But let's think about how do I steward this well in this current season of my life? All right, let's close in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. God, we thank you that you pursue us, that you invite us into relationship. Jesus, thank you that you are our Lord. You're our Savior. Jesus, that you invite us into new life in you. And Lord, I pray more and more that we would commit ourselves to being your disciples, to walking with you in real relationship, to giving you that place of lordship in our life where we're obeying you, where we're letting you teach us each step of the way, Jesus, where you show us how to apply your word and the practical elements of our day-to-day life, even in our failures and struggles. And Lord, I pray that we would embrace your call to go and make disciples. God, that we would find ourselves secure in you, equipped by you, and that we would intentionally invest in the lives of others. God, we're gonna rely upon you every step of the way, but would you show us how to do this in this season of life right now? It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning, amen.